2 has entered the podcast. Welcome, welcome back, people, to Player 2 has entered the podcast. This week's edition of The Backlog. I am your host, Michael, a.k.a. MC Paperstacks, and I have some housekeeping I want to get through this week before we get to the main event. Next week's episode, of course, will be another edition of Gaming News, and we have legacy gamer friend Enya on the show. Really looking forward to that. Been a lot of news already that I'm pretty excited to actually talk about next week, so look forward to that. And of course, this week we should have another episode of Gamer Friends dropping, so keep an eye out for that. Now, recently I had talked about watching Edge Runners, the cyberpunk show, and I recently finished it, and I gotta say, I love it. If you haven't checked it out, and you're at all interested in cyberpunk as a genre, especially if you've played any of the game. I highly recommend the show if you haven't already checked it out. It's on Netflix. And then I wanted to talk about a couple of additions to the backlog. I've had a few folks tell me that they kind of missed the What You Play In segment of the old show, where I discussed video games that I've been playing in general. And while I haven't been playing as much of a variety of video games, and it's just me, Solo Dolo, on this off-week show... I mean, unless folks decide to come by, and that, that may happen. I may not have a ton of games to talk about, but I figured I would include that. And I also have another segment I want to announce. I've been trying to, and, and listeners of the show will probably already know this, I've been trying to find ways to just keep in shape, try to stay healthy, and I've been doing pretty good with uh, just getting some exercise in, breaking a sweat, as they say, in the last month. And then I thought, wouldn't it be cool if I put to use the copy of Ring Fit Adventures, which is currently collecting dust on my entertainment center, and actually started using that. So starting from now up until the next backlog, I'm going to be playing Ring Fit Adventures probably five days a week. Maybe start out like a half hour a session. We'll see how far I can go. And then just kind of report in on my progress. So let's just start with a baseline. I am 5'7", and I weigh 218 pounds, so you can do the math. I'm a chubby boy. <laughs> um, so we'll see if I'm able to improve my fitness with Ring Fit Adventures, and I'll let you know how it goes. Of course, I injured myself yesterday, so I'm off to a great start. And I feel like that's going to happen more and more often as I get ridiculously old. Moving on, I want to discuss some of the games I have been playing recently aside from today's backlog game i don't know if i talked about this previously on the show or not but i did get a chance to play a ton of kirby's dream buffet which is that kind of fall guys-esque multiplayer game that came out in the theme of kirby and essentially you race to the finish of a level while trying to collect as many strawberries as you can. And then there are other mini games you can do in a circuit that, while include variations of that race, will also include little smaller stages, which are more like a battle mode. And the way that battle would work is you can collect different power-ups that transform Kirby, a la like he would in his regular games, and knock other characters off of a smaller stage thus causing them to lose some of their strawberries. And then you get bonuses if you grab extra items or for doing certain feats during the competition, which may net you strawberries at the end, a la Mario Party. It's only 15 bucks, and honestly, it's a lot of fun. You can do a local competition with two players and then two CPUs, or you can play by yourself, but obviously the main fun to be had is probably playing online. 
And the more you play, the more costumes you unlock and variations and different songs and stuff from the Kirby franchise. Obviously, my kid, being a huge Kirby fan, loves the heck out of it. And he loves unlocking stuff, especially from Forgotten Land, because that's the game that he's most familiar with. So if you're at all a Kirby fan and you enjoy local minigames, if you enjoy, you know, the Fall Guys style gameplay, I'd recommend it. I think it's great. I've also picked Pokemon Legends Arceus back up. I know <laughs> it's it's an obsession for sure. But I've gotten to the point now where I can fill two whole boxes of Pokemon worth of shiny Pokemon, which is wild to me. And I've gotten to the point where most of the Pokemon in the decks have perfect entries, which means I've completed all of their research tasks, which is a bit of a monumental feat in and of itself. I figured I'll feel like I've completed the game once all of the research tasks are done on all of the Pokemon, and I have at least one shiny for each Pokemon that shows up in the wild. Obviously, I'm not going to get a shiny for any of the legendaries, save for, you know, if there is an event. I'm oddly still having fun with it. It costs, at this point, about 800000 of the in-game dollars in order to expand my pack, let you know where I'm at with that. I've just been getting in in my free time. I haven't really latched on to a main game per se. And I've been bouncing back and forth between this and that and the other. I also inexplicably picked up Rayman Legends. I mean, I already had it, but it was just on the PlayStation 4, which we kind of keep in the upstairs living room as a, uh, a way to turn our older TV into a smart TV since I use the PlayStation 5 now. And I've played a little bit of it before, usually like the first couple of levels, and then I kind of hop off. But I really gave it a go and played a bunch of levels. That game is gigantic. I didn't realize just how many levels there are in Rayman Legends. And some of them are a lot of fun. And some of them actually get really challenging. So I, I kind of love that game. <laughs> I mean, I know it's like super old. I feel like it's a decade old. I can't remember exactly when it came out. But I... Really, really enjoy it. And if anybody has it kicking around as like a free game they picked up for gold or PlayStation Plus or whatever, I would recommend giving it a shot if you ain't got anything else pressing at the moment. For JRPG fans, obviously, you have a lot pressing. <laughs> Derek and I were talking about that the other day. But let's get into it. We have the main backlog game, the first half of Mystical Ninja starring Goemon. This is from the Ganbari Goemon series. I think, and I could be wrong, I haven't confirmed this, I think only two games came stateside. Most of them stayed in Japan. I remember picking this up as a rental back in 1998 on my friend's Nintendo 64, and he didn't have a controller pack, which is what you would use to save in 64 games. So I basically had to stay up all night long and play as far as I could, and I didn't beat it. I think I got as far as, like... Uh, the second robot fight, which I'll get into what that is later on. And then I want to say probably 12 years, no, probably 14 years later, around that time. It would have to have been around 2011, 2012. I visited my cousins in New Jersey and he had an N64 and a copy of the game Collecting Dust. And I was like, bro, you got Mystical Ninja starring Goemon? He goes, that game? It's dumb. And I'm like, are you crazy? So I said, pop that bad boy in. And of course, he didn't have a controller pack either. But I got him to see the beauty of this game. And he was really into it. And we pledged that on that Thanksgiving weekend, we were going to get through the game, even if we had to leave the N64 on when we left the house and came back. 
and still we couldn't quite make it to the end. So this has been a bit of a white whale for me in gaming. I eventually found a copy of the game at a thrift store for a couple of bucks, and honestly, if you look it up online right now, you can find it for really cheap, which is awesome because it's a great game and you don't have to go scouring for it or or pay water level prices, which is awesome. The thing that really attracted me to the game initially was just the amount of detail that went into it for an N64 game. It's super colorful. The music is fantastic. There are multiple characters and they all have tons of different animations. There's multiple animations for walking up, up through like a full run. There's a crawling animation, and I barely use crawling in the game, at least up to this point. It's just there if you want it, and it's it's really goofy how they can take these different characters and put so much personality into their movement. They have multiple different idle animations depending on when you idle and what level you're on. I mean, the list goes on and on. Like, There's clearly a lot of love put into this game. I didn't really get a chance to get access to another N64 until recently, Full Metal Merc. Gotta plug that gamer goodies and more got me a very affordable Nintendo 64. So I was finally able to add this to the backlog and get this game on the path to finishing it. Unfortunately, last week, my controller pack that I ordered through Amazon tanked, and I lost all my save data, and it was a tragedy. Fortunately for me, though, friend of the show, Draven, who was on last week, he decided to check out the game himself, and he got onto RetroArch and used a version of Moopin that he says runs the game very well. Now, I have tried this in the past, and it wasn't really working well for me. And Nintendo 64 has been notoriously difficult to emulate, at least with certain games. So I just kind of laid that to rest. But then when he talked about it, I decided to go back in because I have RetroArch on my computer because why wouldn't I? <laughs> and I noticed that my Moopin still wasn't working. Moopin 64 plus is what you typically use. But I also noticed that there were other cores. So I loaded a core for Nintendo 64 on RetroArch called Paraly. It's, uh, I'm, I'm probably mispronouncing it. It's P-A-R-A-L-L-E-I. And it runs the game perfectly. So even though I couldn't play it on N64 anymore because my memory card wouldn't retain the save data, I was able to catch up and get to the cutoff point that I had pre-announced for this game using an emulator. So I got super lucky. Plus the bonus of an emulator is I can save any time. One of the criticisms I would lay on this game is your options to save are few and far between. You can typically save by examining signs outside of the appointed dungeons in the game or after beating bosses or in a major event, the game itself may prompt if you want to save. But that's pretty much it. And it works on a lives system where if you run out of lives, you go back to your previous save. Or if you don't have a controller pack, you got to start the game all over again. So it can get kind of rough. Now to set you in on the story, it's pretty goofy and irreverent, but that adds to the charm. The main protagonist himself, Goemon, is based on the legendary thief Ishikawa Goemon. And he hangs out with this weird chubby ninja named Ibisumaru, who in the opening of the game is getting kicked out of a store because... He was trying to get a discount by removing his clothes and doing a sexy dance and didn't really work out for him. And what kind of kicks off the plot in this particular game is a peach-shaped spaceship that uses lasers to attack Edo Castle, which is near the town that they currently reside in. And so they go to investigate. And through the course of the game, you find out that 
the purpose of what they call the Peach Mountain Gang, which is the bad guys of the game. They want to convert Japan to a giant stage and the citizens to loyal dancers that will then form a, a Western theater troupe. I don't know. It's really weird. Anyways, obviously, Goemon wants to stop them because they're kidnapping people and attacking landmarks and generally causing mayhem. He doesn't like it. There's lots of points where they use the font and the dialogue in interesting ways. Some of the jokes are actually punctuated with laugh tracks. I mean, it's clear from the get-go you shouldn't be taking this game seriously. And I mentioned before, the music is really good. It really sticks to your ribs. There's a lot of traditional Japanese music mixed with pop in a very fun way. And it just really gives the game this kind of neat energy that I, I mean... Music can obviously carry a game a long way, right? One of the best parts about this game that definitely puts it above, say, the previous backlog game, Beyond Good and Evil, you know, we, we had an issue with Beyond Good and Evil where we were like, where do I go, right? And you know, we eventually figured it out. But the cool thing about Goemon is they have this mechanic of a character called the Plasma Man. It is marked by a very distinct symbol in towns and near towns, basically where you would end up in your travels. And you can visit the Plasma Man and give him a very small amount of money, and he will tell you what you should be doing next, like where you should go or what the next step to move along the story is. And of course, he does it in a really goofy and fun way. So you never really have to worry about where you should go or what you should do, and you don't have to worry about getting lost, even if you put the game down for a while and come back, because you just go visit the Plasma Man and he will tell you what to do. Another fun thing about the game that was not necessarily guaranteed for its time, I won't say it's ahead of its time, but it was definitely great to have. At some point in the game, you unlock fast travel, and that way you can visit any town, dungeon, castle, or coffee shop, and, and this game is littered with coffee shops, that you visited previously, so that way you can zip around Japan at your leisure, revisiting old dungeons with new powers to unlock new areas or bouncing back and forth in order to advance the game, essentially. At this point, I think I'll get into the story. I mean, I would say spoilers, but honestly, I think even if you know about the story, it's not going to really ruin your enjoyment of the game if you decide to pick it up. However, I will mark, obviously, spoilers in the show notes in case people do want to skip this part. But I'm just going to give a recap of the story. So I mentioned before, the peach-shaped flying object fires lasers at Edo Castle, turns it into a weird European-style castle, and worried about the Lord of Edo, going on EBC Maru, decide to go check it out. The first thing that you're tasked to do in the game is actually upgrade your weapon. And this is a mechanic that will pervase throughout the rest of the game you have a pipe that Goemon uses to attack, and Ibisumaru uses a mallet, like the cartoon that he is. And the first item you'll get, you'll go to Mount Fuji, climb all the way to the top, and meet a man who makes a specialty pipe called a chain pipe. And this can be used to cross large gaps by attaching it to the star blocks. It's a lot less complicated than it sounds. It just gives you a, an additional traversal option. And... A much longer attack because it extends you can hit enemies from farther away using the new chain pipe you're able to get in the castle fight your first boss and then get tasked by the lord of edo to find out just what this peach mountain gang is up to and go try to stop them the first thing you decide to do 
after saving the castle is find the wise man, which is a character from the Goemon series. But as soon as you approach his house, it explodes. And one of the members of the Peach Mountain game, a guy named Baron, pops out and immediately attacks you with a giant kabuki robot. And you're able to summon your own robot from a shell that you found amongst the house's rubble. And the robot is called Impact. And the way that you summon the robot and the song that plays is very emblematic of old Japanese kaiju movies or anime. I mean, he has his own theme song. It's sung with gusto. And then all of a sudden you're in a giant robot and you're sailing towards the other enemy robot in a mini game where the more like obstacles you clear and attack, the more health you'll have for the ensuing boss fight. And it has its own controls. Like you're inside the mech. You can see your health and the enemy's health. You can use a chain pipe to like pull the enemy towards you, give it some punches, dodge the enemy's attacks. It's really fun and it varies up the gameplay a lot. And this is an example of what the game does really well, where it is constantly changing up how you're playing the game. You're either getting new powers to traverse to new areas, getting new characters, or finding interesting bosses in interesting venues. Because right after you defeat this robot, the next town you get to, you get a new character. Her name is Yai. She's like a ninja. and She uses a sword. And then you find out that in this town, children that have any kind of a dancing talent are being kidnapped. And it's by a dragon that was set to be a travel agent dragon. I guess the dragon like carts people around Japan. But it's, it's attacking people now or kidnapping them. So you get transported to the dragon... And now you're on the back of a flying dragon and you're heading up to its head. And another one of the members of the Peach Mountain Gang is that has a robot that's controlling it that you have to defeat. And then once you defeat that robot and free the dragon, that dragon is what becomes your fast travel service. You'll get a flute that Yai will be able to use anytime you're outside and then go to any other place that you previously visited, which is great. Super convenient. Now, once the dragon god entity is free. They turn back into their human form and tell you that they were being controlled. They apologize for the kidnappings. They let you know where the kids are. There's this hot springs area you need to go to, but it's locked up, save for this small hole that only a mouse could fit through. And that's where Ibisumaru gets a new power where he can actually shrink down by using these magic dumplings that you find in a town. And there's a mini game where you're in a cupboard and you're grabbing the dumplings to train to learn how to shrink down. And there's like a kid that keeps opening the cupboard. And if he sees you, it's game over. So again, goofy, weird mini game to get powers. Love it. And there's weird stuff in the dungeons too. You may come across a crane game or a giant pool table. There's so many interesting and fun ways that they do level design in this game. Honestly, it's just a treat to see like what the game is going to present you with next. Eventually, you get a camera that can be used to expose hidden objects you can use it to make, like, say, ghost enemies corporeal enough to actually defeat. So that's pretty neat. You actually get a robot doll eventually through your adventures, but it's without its batteries. And once you find the batteries, that becomes your fourth character. It has a shuriken it uses to attack. I think his name is Yasuke. And he also has bombs, which you can use to get into secret areas. And that's I think that covers all of the extra stuff I've gotten. There may be one more power. I think Goemon can throw money. But he got a power to charge up the money and throw it with a flame so he can light candles and set things on fire, which again helps you with puzzle solving. At this point, after I've gotten through all of the dungeons and revived Yasuke, 
I'm about to enter the Festival Temple, which is a base of the Peach Mountain Gang. And that's the halfway mark I decided to stop at for this past two weeks. So in the next two weeks, I'll be working to finish the game. If you decide you want to play along, we're basically starting at the Peach Mountain base right after the like Ghost Toy Dungeon, and we're going to be going through to the end of the game. I hope you'll join me for that. Honestly, there are criticisms I can make of the game. The camera system isn't perfect, and because you don't have camera control, it can be difficult sometimes to line your character up for certain platforming jumps. You get used to manipulating it to your favor, but it is clunky, and I will admit that. And I would say, obviously, with it being an N64 game, it's going to be a little aged graphically. But again, the art style and the color really make up for that. The fourth wall grazing dialogue and the silliness of the animations and just, you know, the creativity on display. I was laughing and smiling constantly while playing this game, even all these years later. I really think it stands the test of time, but that could be nostalgia speaking. I don't know. I just love this game, and I kind of wish that other Goemon games had come over to the U.S. because I think that people would have really enjoyed them. That about covers it for the backlog this week. Be sure to join me next week for Gaming News with Enya. I hope you guys will enjoy that. And look out for Gamer Friends to be dropping at the end of this week. Hopefully it's already out by the time you're listening to this. We're going to take a quick break for an ad, and I'll be right back. All right, and we're back. So... You're listening to the show, you want to hear more, you want to figure out where to find us. Well, if you check the show notes, you're going to find our link tree, which has a link to our show, a link to the Gamer Friends, and more importantly, a link to the Discord. We started a backlog channel, and we already have a lot of chatter in there. In fact, I'm pretty, pretty sure we've lined up our next backlog game that we're discussing right now among people in the Discord. So join us in that discussion. Find the backlog channel, get the notifications for it and become part of the discussion. Put in your own suggestion for games. Again, I'm pretty open, and if we get enough interest, we may even start running multiple backlog games at the same time. I'm open to do this. If you want to reach out to us, of course, you can do that through social media, or you can email us at mcpaperstacks at gmail.com. Don't forget to like, rate, comment, review, subscribe, share. Everything you can do with the show and its social media accounts really helps us out. Don't forget to check out the Gamer Friends, of course. And if you want to support us monetarily, we have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash Player2 is Enter the Pod. I'm thinking about making some adjustments to the Patreon, so if you're considering supporting us but you're not sure or you're on the fence, maybe reach out to me directly first. I might have a talk with you about it. We'll see if the changes I make would actually make more sense for the show and the network as a whole. But uh, special shout-out to Jordan, who is our current patron. We really appreciate you, sir. And I want to shout out everyone that came out to listen this week. We appreciate you. We love you. And I hope to see y'all next week. Take care.